This is the City of Refuge, Thomaston, Georgia, Sunday morning podcast. The following is a live recorded sermon by Pastor Jeff Deal. Because we're not supposed to be focused on a thing or stuff, including benefits. We're supposed to be focused on a person. And the person we focus on is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is God who came in flesh and is the only pathway to get into the heart of the Father. That's why we focus on Him. So we need to make sure our focus is right, even if we're going to discuss benefits. But we need to know the benefits are there. The benefits are available. I think that you all should be aware by now that the way to get to the benefits is not to focus on the benefits, but the way to get there is through a lifestyle of obedience. Okay? You get the benefit if you live in obedience, but your choice is for obedience. Your choice is not a choice to get benefits. All right? The benefits come automatically when you choose obedience. Now, we're told that if we wait on the Lord, there will be benefits. Our strength will be renewed. How many of you need some of that? I do, a lot. Renew your strength. You will mount up with wings like eagles. Beautiful metaphor there, which basically means that you don't have to live your life wallowing in the pit, in the mud hole, in the middle of all of life's circumstances, and in the middle of all the gunk and junk that happens to us and around us, you, that may be happening. There's no promise that that's not going to happen. I've had bad stuff happen in my life, and so have you, and we're going to have more. I'm not, never going to promise you that the bad stuff's not going to show up because I'd be a liar, and then when it does show up, you, you will have lost confidence in me and, more importantly, God. But God never promised that, and I'm not going to either. The question is, are you going to live your life mired in it, embedded in it, allowing it to dictate your feelings, your thinking, your decisions, your relationships? Are you going to be controlled by the junk, the fallout, the negative circumstances in life? Or are you going to live in a way that causes you to be able to rise above that like an eagle leaving its nest? so that you can see that the circumstances are there, but you're living above them in victory. That's promised as a benefit. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. Well, how does that work? I've been watching all the old classic horse races on YouTube recently. I love horses and I love horse racing. 
So you need to go back if you have any, any generates anything in you and watch Secretariat run the Belmont Stakes and leave the pack like 20-something lengths behind. It is invigorating. It's like just as exciting now as I'm sure it was back then. I was a little kid, and I don't remember watching it back then, but because there was a stigma around horse racing when I was a kid and in a holiness family that, you know, there's gambling around horse racing, so you just need to leave horse racing alone. But I watch it now, and I've watched the Triple Crown winners. I watched all three races Secretariat won. I watched just last night uh, American Pharaoh's Triple Crown wins. And those horses, when they finish running those races, um, are tired. And the Olympics are going on right now, and the runners, when they run their races, when these people perform in their events, they're tired when they get finished. And in this kingdom life that you and I are in and walking it out and running the race day by day, you're going to get tired. It's okay to say it's okay to be tired, right? So how do you run and not be weary? There's a difference between being tired and being weary. See, weary is when you just, it's just on you, and it's more than physical. You understand? You are drained out emotionally, mentally. You're just, it's more than a physical tired. You're just bone weary. I worked outside all day long yesterday, and if you were out in it at all, you know it was hot. I sweated completely out three different times yesterday. I came in one time because I just had to get cooled off a little bit, and Tracy walks in, and she comes in the bathroom, and I'm sprawled on the bathroom floor, my arms out like this, just laying flat on my back. Why? Because the tile on the bathroom floor was the coolest thing I could get myself attached to. <laughs> she thought I'd had a heart attack and passed on right there on the floor, but... Last night, I was tired. I was very, very tired, but I was not weary because working outside is something I enjoy. Working, at, doing the stuff I was doing is something that is fulfilling. I like physical labor. I like to get stuff done, and I'll be physically tired, but I'm not weary from that. It's working with people. It's listening to problems. It is dealing in people's life messes at the same time I'm dealing with my own. It's, uh, it's, it's having a rebellious child. It's, it's going through disappointments. It's losing someone or something that's very valuable and important to you. Those things can make you weary. But the benefit that Isaiah describes is that you can run. You can move through life. You can be a kingdom son and daughter, and you don't have to be weary. You can get tired, yes, but you don't have to live life weary. And here recently, I've, I've heard a lot of people say, I'm just worn out. I'm just weary. And I know they're not talking about being physically tired. And I have to go to the Scripture to find the answer to that. Because naturally, I don't have an answer for it. But I know that God promises me, and if He promises me, He promises everybody, 
that there is a possibility that you can live this thing out and not become weary, burned out. And walk and not faint refers to the same thing. So I just want to share a little personal testimony with you. This is coming off of our Jamaica trip and was really reminded of this in a serious way on this trip. I've been to Jamaica every year, sometimes multiple times per year since 1995. So it's a very long time. And with the exception of last year because we couldn't travel. So around 2010, I burned out in ministry. I mean, I was weary and I was ready to move on and do something else. And we'd been going to Jesus Jam Retreat for a long time, and we went that year, and I just wasn't, I didn't want to be there. I wasn't feeling it. I would leave the services and go to the room, go for a walk, whatever. And I was just ready to get away from, from serving God, and not, not serving God necessarily, but from working in the ministry with people. I was burned out from it. And so on Saturday night at Jesus Jam, I just left and I went outside and sat in the car. So after I was gone a little bit, Tracy came out. And she got in and she said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm just sitting out here. I don't want to be in there. Well, why not? I don't know. I just don't want to be in there. I'm tired of that. I'm just, I'm not into it. As a matter of fact, I don't want to do what we're doing anymore. I just don't want to do it. I want to go home and start looking for a job somewhere. At this point in time, I'd been in ministry for 20 years. And I was working with Bruce at City of Refuge in Atlanta. And um, I was tired of driving up there. I was tired of fooling with the people. I was tired of doing what I was doing. And I was ready to get out. And so we talked a little bit. And I was very frustrated. I was, I was somewhat angry. And I was emotional. And finally, she said, well, before you make the decision... Why don't you go to Ohio for, the, for a weekend? What? Go to Ohio and spend the weekend with Doug Combs. And Doug was, is a good friend of mine. He pastors a church that Nick and JC work at. And Doug had impacted my life in some ways in the past. So I said, okay, I'll, go, I'll call Doug. I called Doug a couple days later. He said, yeah, come on up. We didn't have a plan. I didn't tell him why I was coming. I just got on a plane, flew up there. Doug picked me up at the airport, and I just hung out with him. Friday night, Saturday, you know, we ate food. We had coffee. We ran around. We didn't talk about anything serious. <clears throat> and then I'm supposed to fly back on Sunday evening, and I went to church with him on Sunday morning. And after church, Doug came over, and he said, I have a lady here that I want to introduce you to, and I've asked her to talk to you for a minute. He said, I haven't told her anything about you, just, just want to introduce her. He brings this lady over and um, introduces her, and she starts talking to me, and she starts praying first, and she prays for a while, I mean like a good while, and I'm like, you know, I'm ready to go eat lunch, and uh, this woman will not let go of me, and praying, and finally she stops praying, but she don't stop talking. So she goes from praying into talking, and then all of a sudden, 
She's talking about stuff that I'm starting to open my eyes and shake my head and say, all right, now where is this coming from? Because she's talking about stuff about me that she shouldn't know. Okay? She is starting to read my mail, and to my knowledge, she'd never even been past my mailbox, but she's reading my mail. And she's getting very personal in talking about a couple of our children. For example, and JC was seventh grade at that time, maybe, uh, was, you know, in school, good student, playing sports, had never had a music lesson, couldn't carry a tune in a dump truck. You know, she just, when she'd open her mouth to sing in the car on family trips, we'd all be like, oh, God, please, just don't do that. And this lady says, you have a daughter who is blonde and beautiful and, <clears throat> excuse me, and she is going to be a worship leader. And, and she described a picture that she was seeing in her mind of, of this girl carrying a satchel. And she said, in the satchel is sheet music. And she's going to play music and she's going to lead worship and she's going to write music. Okay. And then she said something about one or two of the other kids that was, was stuff that was going on right then, so she had my attention. And then she got to me and she said, you're in a struggle and you're facing a big decision, but there are doors in front of you. And although you feel like you're blind right now, to the point that you can't even see the door, much less, I mean, you can't even see the wall that the door's in, much less the door. You need to find the door, and you need to walk through the door. And it's like feeling your way along the wall until you get to the door, and then having the willingness to step through the door. So anyway, I, um, I left from up there, I came back home, and I contemplated that, and I prayed over it for a while. And, um, and I said, okay, I'm going to give this thing a shot. And so I recommitted, and I started looking for the door. And in short order, I, the answer came to me about what the door was, and the door was to write a book. And I didn't have time to write a book, and had not been thinking about writing a book. But I knew that I was supposed to write a book. So I went to Bruce and I said, uh, I need to write a book. And he said, fine, disappear, go write the book. So I did. For about a year I worked on this book. And the whole time I'm writing the book, I'm thinking this book is going to change somebody's life. This book is going to change somebody's life because the stories that were in the book and the teaching around the stories was transformational. I said, this is going to change somebody's life. And when I finished the book and the book was published and the book, the book went out, all of a sudden I realized this book changed somebody's life. It changed my life. I, I wrote the book to change my life because that process and the discipline that was required and the prayer that was required and the thinking and the research and the study of the Scripture that was required changed everything how many times have you heard me use the word obedience or obey? Do you know why? 
because I wrote the book, because I dug into God's Word, and when I did that, I came to a very clear understanding that everything hinges on obedience. That it is the most dominant overarching theme of all of Scripture. Is love important? Yes. Is grace important? Yes. But nothing is more important than obedience. And obedience covers all the other stuff. It starts in the second chapter of Genesis when God says to His first kids, <coughs> listen to me and do what I tell you. That's all it takes. Listen to me and do what I tell you. And when they didn't, we see the results. And he kept saying it over and over and over to his people all throughout history. Every story you know in the Bible has as its theme obedience. Every story around the children of Israel, every story that comes from the prophets, every story that comes from the apostles, every story from the life and the teachings of Jesus Christ has at its core the theme of obedience. In the 22nd chapter of the book of Revelation, it says every human being will be judged based on what they have done. Done as it relates to what? As it relates to what he told us to do. Obedience. It changed my life. It changed everything. And you know what it did? And some of you need to hear this. It completely took the pressure off. The stress was removed because when you are performing, there's stress to perform. When you're just working on behalf of other people and you're embedded in not only in your own life's messes but in theirs, it will drain you out because you are results-oriented and that produces stress and pressure. And when I let all that go and said it's just about me getting up every morning and saying yes. See, this is why I hammer this into y'all all the time. Sadly, there are people who've been hearing this for years and still don't do it. And the benefits are right in front of us. But we don't do it. But when we do, it takes the pressure off. takes the stress away. And all of a sudden, we're living in freedom. Yeah, that freedom that ridiculous freedom that we're told about in Scripture, but most of us have never really enjoyed. All of a sudden, that peace that passes understanding that we've heard about, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, it's not like other people give. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Oh, easier said than done, but it can be done. When we choose obedience instead of choosing performance with results as our end goal. Freedom and peace come when we start paying attention to the words of God and simply doing what He says. People come and tour City of Refuge and if I meet them, they might ask, so what's your responsibility here? And my answer is, I just do what I'm told. It was it have a big fancy title, position, number of years? I just do what I'm told. I love it. I love 
just being a son that does what he's told because the pressure's off, right? And here's why I said this connects to the work in Jamaica. Because what I've realized is that, so we uh, went to Jamaica in 1996. When we returned home from Jamaica, I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to leave Jamaica. I wanted to be there. I felt at home there. I felt like it was the most productive work I'd ever been involved in. I was very satisfied with it. I loved the people. I loved the place. I loved the work. But we had some situations, some circumstances around our family that mandated we thought that we should come back. But I internalized it. And it frustrated me. And it gave me a level of anger about why it had to happen that way. And so for years, for 10 years, see, because it had been a little over 10 years since we left Jamaica and came back, my work in Atlanta was okay, but it wasn't as fruitful as it should have been. You know, I was doing a job. Often I would get frustrated with the people. Often I would stoop to their level and be condescending. Often I would have take on a sort of a you know, a holier-than-thou tone with people and the way they were living and what they were doing and the ridiculousness of lifestyle and all that kind of stuff. And it wasn't right. So I'm confessing. And it's all because I had that stuff inside of me, that anger and that frustration, that disappointment about having to do something that I didn't really want to do. It affected family relationships. It, it affected everything in life. And what did it do? It caused me to burn out. See, it wasn't the work. It wasn't my call to ministry. It wasn't the ministry that caused me to burn out because I don't think it's possible to burn out if you're living in obedience to the work that God has called you to do if you're doing it the right way. Because if He calls you to it, won't He resource you to do it? If He calls you to it, won't He give you the strength? If He calls you to it, won't He provide you with the encouragement, with everything you need to get it done? If He calls you to it, would He allow you to burn out and become so weary that you couldn't do it anymore? No. No. So there has to be something else. And the something else for me was that I had chosen to allow circumstances and situations and results to dictate how I was living instead of having obedience as the center of everything. So that's my encouragement, my lesson for you today. Those who wait on the Lord, and I told you the def definition of that word wait, in both Psalm 40 and Isaiah 40, 31, is to have an anxious anticipation about what God is going to do. So you see in the contrast, on one side, you're living and working even if you're in full-time Christian service. But what's around that is a frustration with the people you're working with. Or what's around that is a disappointment about something from the past.
or what's around that is whatever circumstances are going on in your life right now that are trying to drain you out. And these things are dictating the way you're working, the way you're making decisions, the way you're functioning in ministry. On the other side of the line, the contrast is that you are working and investing and getting mixed up in the lives of other people and doing the ministry, but at the same time, you are anxiously anticipating what God is about to do. And the results are also perfectly contrasted. One is burnout, frustration, weariness. And the other is they will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. I don't know which way you want to choose, but I know I've lived both. And I can tell you right now today which one you should choose. You should choose to get up, and whether it's situations in your own family with financial problems, with relationship problems, with a son or daughter that's not living the way you would like for them to, whether it's struggles with in business, whether it struggles with whatever, or whether you involved in volunteer ministry and service like many of you are here, and thinking about what's coming, you can do that inside of the context of life's problems and the drain that it is and the weariness it produces. Or you can do it inside the context of anxious anticipation about what God, God is going to do. And think about it. Renew their strength. Is that a one and done? Is that I just go to the well and get a drink and that's it? No. It is perpetual. And I had this thought this morning, which is a beautiful picture of the progressive and continual and perpetual work of God in us. It's like when he says that the Spirit of God is like a well inside of you that comes out like a river and it's constantly replenished. That's the way the strength of God comes to us when we live our lives in obedience. Is it just never stops. It's always there. And we're always anxiously anticipating what He's going to say or what He's going to do next. And as long as we're living it that way, that strength is constantly renewed. telling somebody recently, 23 years now, this month, that I've been working at City of Refuge in Atlanta, living for 19 of those years, um, 66 miles from work, and for the past four years, 53 miles from work, and commuting, and dealing with traffic and then getting there and doing the kind of work we do with the kind of people that we work with and coming home in the evening and then having family and having property and having things to do in ministry. And then we started doing this down in Thomaston eight years ago and then doing a ministry in Jamaica all along the way and having seven kids. And, and, and I was telling them, you know, kind of how all that's been. And they're like, well, how do you do that? I mean, how in the world have you kept that going? How in the world do you not just go crazy? How in the world do you not just collapse? And I'm like, well, if you're looking at Jeff Deal, you know, I'll be 60 years old in, in September, and 
There ain't, mu there ain't much to be impressed by, okay? I can't take a bit of credit. I, I told the team in Jamaica on the last night we were there when, because on Sunday morning at the church we attended, they did a Thanksgiving service, and they got up and read a, um, what do they call it, um, a citation to me. And they had a long, long list. I don't know where in the world who remembered all this stuff of the churches and the schools and the hospitals and the infirmaries and the nursing homes and the people and the on and on and on and the houses built and this thing and that thing and the sponsorships of school children and elderly people. And they read this long list of stuff that we've accomplished through the years. And that night with the group, I said, listen, of all the things you heard them say, don't, don't look at me and have a positive thought. I cannot take credit for one single result that you heard. There's no need thanking me. There's no need praising me. There's no need giving me a plaque. I didn't do it. I couldn't do it. I don't have the skill to do it. I don't have the energy to do it. I don't have the resources to do it. I couldn't do it. So how can I claim credit for the results? All I did was got up this morning and said yes. <laughs> and yesterday morning and said yes. And the day before and said yes. God, whatever you are doing, I say yes to my involvement in it. And I'll leave the results up to you. And we will point the glory from the, for the results to you because you're responsible for every single solitary one. I was so glad that a few years ago they presented me a plaque at a church down there. And it said, to Pastor Jeff Deeds, D-E-E-D-S. And I thought, that is classic. That's the only plaque I have displayed in my office. Because that just sort of runs a sham over, <laughs> you know, recognition of me is funny. So anyway, the benefits are available. The benefits are available. And let me tell you how God works just to finish up. So, it was 24 years from the time that we left this house where I'd served as youth pastor for four years until this house was given to us. Okay, so let's say we left here, we were frustrated, we were angry, we went on, we were dictated and governed by that, and to some extent we were for a while, but then we went on, you know, we ended up in Jamaica and we were good and we didn't, we didn't really carry a lot of stuff, uh, negative stuff from here, and we had some great friends, you know, that we had made while we were here, and some of those friendships continued, and we had a heart for Thomaston, we had a heart for the community and the church, and we would pray for them and all that. But let's suppose we had just burned that bridge. Just, just really made a decision uh, that would have been a wrong decision. Just to cut it all off. Just to burn it and just have uh, this bitterness about the whole experience. 
then 24 years later, we wouldn't be here. But it's now been 28 years because we've been in this building for four years. God will work redemption if we just keep saying yes. He will work redemption. That's what he does. That's God work. And we don't have to figure out the timeline. We don't have to worry about all the details and what everything's going to look like. We just get up every morning and say yes. When we left Jamaica, as I said, I didn't want to leave. And I dealt with the guilt, frustration for 10 years. Because after we left, two directors followed me at the ministry we were doing and they ran it in the ground and it dissolved. They were thieves. They were womanizers. The last one discontinued the school, discontinued the missionary training program, the vocational training program, fired the staff and sent them home, sold everything we had, everything we had worked for. Had two 15-passenger vans, a, a one-ton truck, a pickup truck, a Kubota tractor, a welding shop full of equipment, a wood shop full of equipment, four greenhouses with all the horticulture stuff, a dynamic horticulture program, all the orchids, the flowers, the plants. He sold it all. He sold the bunk beds. He sold the appliances out of the kitchen. He stripped the place bare. He's still drawing missionary support from the states while all this is going on. And he rents a house on the beach down the hill and is throwing parties. And nobody's holding him, holding him accountable. And by the time he was done, everything was gone. The, the ministry had dissolved and he collapsed and died while he was drunk on the sidewalk down. I dealt with that guilt because I recommended the first guy to be my successor and he did a bad job and then this guy took his place after that. And I let it control me. I let it dominate a lot of my thinking. But then I found my freedom from that and I decided, hey, I'll let God handle all that. I'm moving on. I wrote my book. I found my freedom. I've been walking through doors ever since then. And so we go back and we find out that, and this conversation has been going on for a little bit, that uh, a church organization moved into that property after the institute shut down, and they've been using it as a campsite and a retreat center and all that. But they don't keep it up. It's run down. It's terrible. And um, they've got no money. They can't do anything. And so I can't, you don't have time for me to tell you all the details, but it seems that uh, they're going to give it to us 24 years after we left. And we're going to build a refuge Jamaica into, back into a thriving, dynamic ministry on the island. And it'll be ministry training and vocational training and a retreat center and a place where the poor and the homeless can come for help and a place where kids with disabilities and their families can be blessed. And um, none of that would have happened if we had chosen to stay in the pit, right? In the pit of disappointment, in the pit of frustration, in the pit of anger, in the pit of bitterness and resentment, none of those results come. And it, it, 
I told y'all before, Refuge Jamaica is part of City of Refuge South. So it's all part of the same big picture. And some of you are going to be going down there, and you don't even know it yet. You're going to be spending a little time. I'm going to send Riley down there for a month sometime this fall. And, um, and, and I'm going to engage all of you who will say yes to that, to go down there and to spend a little time, whether it's a week or two weeks or a month or six months or whatever, to work and volunteer in the ministry. It's going to be a big City of Refuge South um, family operation. And in addition to all the big stuff that's going on here, that big stuff's going to be going on. Who can do this? If you're going to make a plaque for me, make sure you put Jeff Deeds on it because Jeff Deal didn't do it. Who can do this kind of stuff? Who can produce these results? The same God that will cause us to run and not grow weary and walk and not faint and to mount up with wings like eagles. But the prerequisite, the qualifier, is that we wait on Him. We say yes, and then we anxiously anticipate what He's doing and what He's going to do while we're saying yes and while we're working. God, thank You for encouraging me with this word and with this verse for the past several weeks so that I could turn around and encourage other people with it. I thank you for what you're doing because all, all I want is just to be in the middle of what you're doing. I don't have a plan. I don't know how to get it done in a way that is eternal and permanent. But you do. So I just want to say yes to what you're doing. And that's what I do personally. And that's what I challenge this house to do. And it's what we're going to do. Is we're just going to keep saying yes. We're just going to keep anxiously anticipating what you're doing. And we're going to say yes again tomorrow with an anxious anticipation. And then we're going to give you all the glory for what happens. Because it's your work. Thank you for it. I pray again that you would uh, allow your peace to reign in our hearts, your freedom to be a lifestyle for us, for you to empower us to do and be who you've called us to be in this earth, and that you would protect us in every way. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.